You have three voicemails. It's not all about the money. You know, you still need money. But to me, it's not about the money. To me, art, it's like you, you have to look at it and, and get certain emotions. It comes to my mind that, you know, I have friends that I don't trust just because the way they support football. Let's see, I'm going to Old Trafford next week. So I'm hoping to see Ronaldo, but see if he actually stays back and take photos or-, or Dude, if you, if you do, please show, show him <laughs> my painting. <laughs> Hello there. Welcome to the show where we have the convos about Vietnam, you know. Hello there. Welcome to Convo Comrades, a conversation with the community about Vietnam. And we are now on our third episode, third and Woo-hoo. final episode, with our golden guest, Hui Mi Productions. <laughs> Give it up. Give it up for Hui Mi Productions. Clap, clap. <laughs> can, can I just say, guys, if you are confused and you need introductions, what the hell are you doing? Go back to episode one and episode two and have a listen. You know who our guest is, Huimi Productions, Tang Fat, actor, YouTuber, and also part-time painter. And we're going to be talking about painting and art right now. No more introductions. Go back and listen, and then come back to this episode. Let's go. Let's go. So, art. What is art? How do you define yeah. <laughs> no, that's, um, what, that's what a bit, is art? That's, that's a bit heavy. But um, how did you get into painting then? Um, I think painting was... I was kind of born into it because my mm. dad is also a painter. Okay. And so I grew up. First thing I know is that my in my house there are a lot of paintings, mm. on the walls, on the ground, uh, stacks of paintings. Is that clock behind you a painting? Was it a real <laughs> clock? <laughs> it is a clock, and uh, my dad likes to collect like old things. Yeah. And this is the outside of my room. So mm. my room, my bedroom is on the right, and this is like the living room on the, on my floor. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's actually it has um, all of my dad's stuff. Uh, mm. It's all in front, so I can't really show you guys. But yeah, anyways, uh, I was born into a family with three painters. My dad mm. is a three. painter. Mm-hmm. And my my grandfather also paints a little on the side for fun, mm-hmm. and uh, my uncle is also a painter. So we have three painters in the in the family. Yeah. And um, I started drawing when I was a kid, and I I really enjoyed uh, drawing. So I think before before becoming a YouTuber, I think drawing and painting was something that I identified myself with. So mm. not not really a part-time painter, but like a, yeah. an actual painter, right? Yeah. So I, I did my first painting when I was five. Mm-hmm. I painted Tom in uh, Tom Jerry. Nice. And, uh, you know, don't know how to paint, just kind of put the colors in. And, uh, um, yeah. and so I, I draw a lot and um, that's like my escape, you know, because I didn't really have a lot of toys and our generation mm. growing up we didn't have phones or we didn't mm. really have other things to distract so i um i draw a lot and um growing up i think that was one of the skills that kind of made me stand out in the class because mm-hmm. because um, my classmate known known me best for being uh the the, the art guy right the art kid mm. So, um, that did they pay cont- you? Did they pay you so that you could draw for them? Uh, for uh, for class, sometimes I would. Oh, yeah, yeah. sometimes <laughs> sometimes I would. Uh, you know, work for um, other uh, friends in in my in my class, help them to finish their drawing, so that they get better grades, and I, I make a few mm. uh, a few thousand. You know, on the side. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Make it yeah. rain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, back um, so that that was my my only thing, right? Going up and uh, growing up, and even in high school when I had that decision to, um, I could have had went to a film school if I was more determined about it. Uh-huh. Yeah, but uh, my family they didn't really prevent me from going to film school, but they rather uh, kind of persuade me 
that I follow the tradition since uh, they were very convincing. You know, Asian parents when they they're not forcing you, they're also very persuasive. Yeah. So they kind of uh, list out the pros and cons of being in the film industry. They're not going to be able to help you along the way, and like we don't mm-hmm. know anyone, and you don't know anything about film, but yeah. you know a lot about drawing and painting, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, that led to my decision into uh, Cleveland Institute of Art, mm. and uh, I got I got like a forty thousand scholarship, which is it sounds nice, but it's actually still nothing since the mm. tuition is pretty high. Mm. Um, but I did get a scholarship for for that mm. school. You know, work um, you work uh, basically for art school is really different. You know, they don't really care so much about the uh, SAT per se, you know, mm. um, you you only need. Uh, I needed a, a TOEFL of like eighty to get in, and I thought it was gonna be easy, but then, so I didn't. I didn't really study. <laughs> I didn't really study for it, but then on the day I actually got a hundred out of nice. uh, one hundred twenty without without any freaking um, <laughs> preparation <laughs> yeah preparation because I I went online and I did this free test and I thought it was so easy so I was like mm. man I don't need this and then actually <laughs> on the day on the day it was freaking it was fucking difficult like yeah I, I was sweating because I, I thought that you know I'm gonna have to spend like a hundred bucks and like line up for another for another day oh but, uh, okay <laughs> but I ended up I ended up getting like a hundred out of uh, 120 I only needed 80 so yeah, yeah that's good. pretty good <laughs> that's pretty lucky but a- anyway yeah that's how i went into uh art and that's how that's why i started painting that's great i can normally off track <laughs> no 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 that's, that's that's amazing because normally you would hear stories of families talking to you about you know don't go into art go into business or you know mm. become a doctor or lawyer that's always the traditional stereotypical asians of family roots isn't it but yeah. yours is slightly different it's like okay don't go into film but go into art <laughs> so very, very fascinating what's like what makes a good artist educate us okay mm. we long and i we know nothing about art i know how to draw cartoon characters that's all i know uh, i'm pretty good at it long probably doesn't know how to draw anything <laughs> <laughs> but stick what? stick man but but what, what i'm trying to say is and i'm sure a lot of people in the audience now watching or listening you know what makes good art um i don't think i could really define to you guys what makes good art but mm-hmm. um from what i have seen uh, to be a, a, a good artist, mm-hmm. then you have to uh, you have to be uh, you have to have a certain kind of uh, personality mm. um, to to express what you really think and really don't give a fuck about what other people think. Because mm-hmm. um, with 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 social media, it's like you have to be careful sometimes, or you can be uh, provocative, right? But mm. with art, it's like it's it's totally different because you can be provocative on a painting yeah and i think uh as with any other um uh professions you need hard work you need to have a certain kind of uh belief in yourself yeah i mean i feel like you know uh (laughs) them getting me go to art school it's like the thing about art student, it's like you're destined to fail. What? That's, because that's sad. <laughs> because how so? Because it's it's really statistically right, like yeah, statistic. Um, it's really hard to make it as an artist. Yeah. Like yeah. if you actually go the traditional route and route route, right? Um, yeah. Route yeah. is American. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Um, to be like a traditional painter yeah not many people actually makes it and like sells a painting for like a hundred uh, like a million dollars right that's mm-hmm. that's like oh you become a great artist uh, famous uh, your paintings are the worth so much but yeah it's uh, it's hard and uh, even for myself like I never really know what the future holds 
Mm-hmm. Like, all I know is that I need to work harder. Like, I need to mm-hmm. paint more. And mm-hmm. I've been painting, drawing all my life, and then it stops when I started uh, messing with YouTube. Mm-hmm. So that that kind of stunt the growth of an artist. So I I would say I stopped. Uh, painting and drawing for a good three four years and I only started getting it back um, in the past year <laughs> or two that's my <laughs> hello you right <laughs> that's <laughs> she's just, she's just uh, that's my she's, uh, she's, she's one of the oh okay bring, I thought she's one of the uh, art buyers <laughs> the, the clothes fresh clothes Okay, just watch them anyway um yeah so even uh, at, as art student you know we we usually joke that we're all gonna fail you know mm, we yeah. go into an art school and then we come out uh with a degree and like a few hundred thousand dollars worth of debt yeah <laughs> and you you pay it off yeah like mm. uh selling paintings and basically you sign up for a hard life yeah and having known that, right, with that uh, sort of, I know it's still jokes, but but statistically, it's it's hard to be a successful artist. Do you ever thought, or are you thinking about a full-time artist, a full-time painter, yeah, a successful artist? Do you have dreams about that? I've actually never had that dream. Mm. I think uh, it only occurred to me recently that this is something that um, you could constantly improve without the help of other people. Because mm. with film or with any other professions uh, that requires collaborations, you have to. So you know, say if you want to be a, a an actor, successful actor, you also besides the fact that you have to be good, you also have to mm. depend on the scriptwriter the director, the producer, mm. and the audience, right? But on yes. painting, uh, I think the pandemic kind of taught me something that this is something that you can just do by yourself and you mm. can improve faster just by yourself. You can lock yourself in a room and then you can just paint a lot and then you get better at it. And then um, it's a good to me, is also like uh, uh, I'm gonna wait for the fucking clock. To <laughs> um, for me, it's like a good way to meditate as well. Mm. Since sometimes, uh, sometimes I don't feel like I I want to paint, but then when I actually do it, it kind of takes a lot of things off my mind. Interesting, right? There's um there's a book that talks about flow state. I think the title of the book is Flow State, but it talks about, you know, whenever we do a certain hobby, a certain activity that really intrigues us, we're just captivated about it. And we're locked in a state of flow state where we don't think about anything else. It's just in the moment doing that thing. No worries, no future planning, nothing whatsoever. And a lot of people who are really good at what they do they achieve flow state really well mm. and they are they become really productive and they're able to have demonstrate a lot of results coming out of that so i think when you say that you know you're sitting in a room you're just painting right i think you you, you at, the, at that time you were achieving flow state in a sense mm. and it's very different isn't it the activity of art and painting compared to vlogging where you talk 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 there's noise right. of course you're still by yourself but there's noise and then acting of course there's just tons of people around art is is kind of like an oasis an island something that's very different mm. right it's something that is very um private and you you kind of um you kind of dig dig deep into your inner self a little mm. bit i don't know if that makes sense but to me it's like it sounds very artsy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know how to explain it right, but uh, yeah, it's something that is really um, 
and sometimes like art isn't really understand by the outsiders as well because even mm. myself when i went to art school sometimes um we are considered like pretty pretentious you know people that do art and like uh know about the classics and um mm -hmm. they can be a little bit um pretentious and mm. so even when i was in school i noticed that but now i kind of get it from the outside world like how how they perceive because some some of the artists are really they kind of have that about themselves as well you know what i mean right interesting so um, sorry yeah. Lon, go ahead yeah i just gonna ask so what 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 is arts to you you know what do you use it for since you said you you don't have that dream about making it big as an artist do you oh, use i didn't have that before i do kind oh, of now it you now. have it oh you have oh, it now okay okay so now you you practice art you paint with that goal in mind um i don't think that it's like the ultimate goal is to mm. of course it's like it's really nice to sell painting since we're all like mm. starving with COVID and stuff but yeah. um um i really didn't believe it until i sold my first painting mm -hmm. you know because i i paint like so many paintings without um it being sold and mm -hmm. so the the first the first painting sold kind of gives me that that little confident boost mm -hmm. of like this is actually it's like you know the universe is is helping you yeah towards this goal you know you you're heading yeah. in in a good direction Mm -hmm. it's not about it's not about money mm -hmm. i'm not saying that it's it's not all about the money you know you still need money but to mm -hmm. me it's not about the money uh to me art it's like you you have to look at it and and get certain emotions because mm -hmm. sometimes in contemporary art uh sometimes it can be like a branch on a canvas and it <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. And to me, like if it's not striking me like emotionally or it doesn't give me any kind of feeling, it doesn't matter how you explain like how how highly intelligent or whatever the meaning, how deep the meaning is. I don't care about that. Like to me, art is like it has to be visually striking. Mm. Question. I'm just going to be I'm going to play devil's advocate here. And on that point, you know, there's that really famous um, piece of art that was so recently right of a banana do you know about that of a banana stuck on the painting um, it's literally just one banana on a white painting and then there's a duct tape on top of it and it's so for <laughs> millions and millions of I, I can't remember now but it was it was crazy the valuation was nuts I think it was right. from Banksy do you know Banksy Banksy uh, yeah famous contemporary artist uh he i think he's in london or something I, i'm not sure but anyway he has I, a lot I've of definitely those heard of his name yeah yeah he has a lot of these like very weird contemporary arts so it's so for crazy and it was all over the news right and then when you say it doesn't give you an emotion but sometimes the emotion is that shit is weird like <laughs> you know when, when i look at something like a lot of the art that i see okay and especially if it's contemporary art or if it's um abstract art i look at it and i was like i'm confused i think that that's an emotion or you mm. know what, what was going on here so what sort of emotion do you need to have or do you yourself personally have for you to feel like oh there is a connection here there is something here there is art here um well you know when i look at a painting i usually uh find paintings are are because i'm just gonna talk about paintings since uh yeah. a lot of times uh you can see sculptures and uh, uh installations as well yeah and um for me it just if it brings any certain kind of emotion then it's intriguing but if it doesn't then um i'm not interested and and my taste is not um it's not the best taste i'm not saying it's not the best taste mm -hmm. but it's like it's not for everyone because yep. i think every personal, individual and every individual had different have different tastes yep in a sense so even in the art world like even when i was in school you know sometimes my my classmate w would have a piece that 
I don't necessarily like. And they might not necessarily like my piece. Yeah. And I think um, on valuations on art, I have no clue. But I, I do know the fact that um, the the board or the people that, that pays and, and evaluate it, if they like a certain artist, they're going to make him successful. Yeah. Mm. And you can only... It, it's there's really no bar or no um, uh, way to evaluate yourself mm. you know no standards yeah no standards got you interesting because I have a friend um, she's Russian um, and she's here in London as well and she works in art valuation and her company does a lot of art valuation and I think there are certain dimensions and criteria you can look at for example you know the the past history of the artist uh, the time of the piece when it was released the type of you know the type of art that it was you know is it a painting or contemporary art but I agree that sometimes it's especially for up and coming new artists right it's very difficult to value how much this piece is so going to the, your piece that that was sold how was that valued like was it just you and the person talking and then negotiating like you're in the market <laughs> bargaining <laughs> the price like, what was it like um so for that particular painting uh i never sold a painting before that yeah and so i asked my dad for evaluation because he, <laughs> yeah. he's an artist and he, he sells his paintings and um i the the person that buys it did not want me to make the the price public okay but it's um it's a really good price for a first painting <laughs> yeah yeah i okay. would say i would say uh, when when i heard the price the recommended price i was a little taken aback you know i i, I thought you know maybe i should take it down because yeah, yeah. i don't want to i don't want to lose the customer yeah. but then <laughs> But then the guy here was to say the size, the size of the painting, right? It, it plays mm -hmm. a factor. Mm -hmm. It. I'm not saying like the bigger the painting, the the, the more expensive it is, but yeah, it kind of is in a way. Mm -hmm. And also the amount of work that you put in, you know. Yeah. If it were, uh, it's a painting that that I've worked in for a long time. Yeah. The the person didn't want to make the price public. Or, yeah. or else I would have I would have said it because it's yeah uh, you're probably all over Instagram decent. like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> two um, million dollars man <laughs> <laughs> no, not, not, not that much <laughs> yeah, nowhere nowhere near that but uh, yeah okay so your father was the person who helped to value the art piece for you and did he play a role in the negotiation as well was there a bit of back and forth or this is the price and then they take a bit of time to think about it and then they come back and they pay for it uh, it actually was, uh, it happened like this. So she messaged me on uh, my Facebook saying that she mm. wants to buy that particular painting. But yeah. uh, being myself, like really out of it on social media and message, I missed the, the message. And um, so she happens to know um, a friend of my dad. And so mm -hmm. uh, she actually messaged my dad saying that they want to come to the studio. And so they came to the studio. I talked to both of them, you know, uh, uh, the husband, uh, the wife, and uh, they wanted to buy the painting. And they told me to just think about the price and then uh, uh, message them. So I, I wait after dinner and I, I messaged them and I was kind of, you know, hoping, kind of nervous, but then they said, mm. yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, uh, wow. the rest is just like, I had to ask my uh, friend to help me bring it back from Saigon because the painting is in Saigon. So I had to bring it all the way back here, packed mm. it and sells. I'll say that it's in the thousands. Nice. No, oh, that's great. That's great to yeah, hear. Very good. And it okay. really, I guess is a point in, in, in your art journey where you feel like, you know, there is some sort of validation, isn't it? Mm. You know, you've, you've worked so hard, you've gone through the degree, you know, you yeah. painted, you said how many times already? Your, uh, your father is an artist as well, so there is some sort of pressure. 
but then you know to to achieve this sort of validation of someone wanting to pay that much a, amount of money for one piece um i think it feels good yeah it feels amazing i would have felt good then. yeah <laughs> yeah there yeah. you go amazing and so, um it helps it helps a lot since uh you're not working during yeah. covid <laughs> yeah yeah oh, that's amazing then so walk us through how how do you get something in your head like that some sort of idea and then you put it on a painting mm. what's the creative process like right because you know it's it's very different for certain artists some people are abstract artists you know mm. they're probably their brain works differently some people are right. contemporary artists some people do sculptures but for you i don't think you do abstract art do you because i see ronaldo I've and i recognize ronaldo <laughs> so yeah i i don't um i don't think right now i'm formulating a particular style instead mm -hmm. of um uh the style right now is only in the brush strokes but um I'm in the period when I'm bouncing off between different styles and uh, different types of painting since I'm only getting back into painting in like a year and a half. Yeah. And so um, I've never painted abstract. I, I made one abstract painting in school by accident. You know, we had this project <laughs> of like use a photo reference and paint. So I picked a, I picked a forest and I kind of painted really loosely. Yeah. And when my professor asked me like what what type of painting I was painting, I told her it was a landscape. But she was like, "No, you know what you're painting? You're painting an abstract." <laughs> and so, <laughs> That's and a so very I, professional way of insulting someone, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um it looks it looks really nice and I really like that painting, but then I left it in uh, school when I moved back. So that's mm. that's actually one of my favorite painting and it's the, the only abstract painting I've ever done. Usually, I would consider myself uh, more of a surrealist. All right, educate us. What the <laughs> hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, a surrealist it would be someone who paints, like, uh, Dali, you know, Salvatore Dali. You know, the famous nope. painting with the, with the clock that is melting? Ah, yes. Yeah. Oh so wait, no, no, I don't. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, speaking it's of like, the clock, it's like it's like a clock. <laughs> it's like a round clock that is melting on the table. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think I do recall that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. Ah uh, yeah. So so, what's the creative process like then? How, how do you come up with an idea and then start to think about you know the composition, what you want, you know what sort of colors? How does it? Is it something that you can actually explain in words, or it it just comes naturally to you? Um, you you get the idea when you before you paint you, you usually have a general idea of what you're gonna paint, but then mm. you you figure it out as you go, mm. as you if that makes sense like you right. you work and then you see how it's going and you take it in different directions as you're working on it. Because mm. I don't have right. a I do I do have a finished painting in mind, but sometimes it turns out different. I you see. Know what I mean? yeah. Very artistic. And, uh, inspiration just comes um, naturally. Yeah. Sometimes you, you could be driving, uh, listening to music, and then you see certain things on the road, and then it just hits you like that. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's like something that you plan for a long time. Like you have an idea, and you write it down, and then you add mm -hmm. things to it. And then it's, it's kind of like making a video, in a sense. Mm -hmm. But then you don't make a video. You just paint it. Right, mm. right. Got you. I guess that's the common thing amongst, you know, creatives, right? Or just creating something. Um, interesting. Now, does that valuation, that does that deal in a way impact the way you think and the way you start to think about future art pieces now? Because, you know, in a way, for example, you might be thinking, okay, that's sold for that much. It seems mm. like that's something that has demand. People are paying for it. Should I do something similar, or should I should I m limit myself to this particular area of art so that I can sell future pieces? How does that affect you? Um, to me, like as I as I told you, it's not about the money. So, uh. I I guess I could try and do paintings for money when I desperately need it. You know, 
but I'm not trying to limit myself on painting certain things only because it, it sells. I think the the most important thing is to have that kind of freedom to uh, to do whatever you want and to paint whatever you want, mm-hmm. and then if it happens, it happens, right? I had this painting of me covering my childhood drawing and I know that painting is it's gonna you know I don't think it's gonna sell but I had to do it so it, mm. it's those kind of things I have if you uh, have the urge to do it you have to do it yeah I have a few basic questions here. I should have asked way before Okay. <laughs> We're just like half an hour into the conversation about art and now you're asking basic questions. But okay, go ahead. So the question is, okay, I hear you guys say these words, contemporary, abstract, <laughs> landscape, right? I, I want to break down, right? Let's break it down into structure. What are the different types of art? Uh, painting style, let's call it that. Um, and you do, there there yeah. are many different styles. Um, I can list some of the styles off the top of my head. There are abstract painting, right? There's uh, expressionism. Mm. Uh, there's uh, surrealist surrealism. Uh-huh. There are uh, hyperrealism. Hyperrealism wow. is like uh, the style that the, it looks like a photo. You Terrorism. Contemporary, it's like uh, what's happening right now. Mm, it's like a photo, right? Um, it could be a photo, I guess. Mm. But it could also be a painting. Uh, it could be a mm. sculpture. Uh, mm. There's, I don't think there's like a, a good way to define the a particular styles. thing. Yeah. Mm. And you are just trying all the different styles. Then you're experimenting. I'm I'm experimenting uh, different styles in painting. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. We're focusing mainly on painting. And my second question, as an art consumer, okay, is <laughs> how how can I absorb in art? Right. This sounds like a stupid question, but when I <laughs> when I look at a painting, I struggle. I I don't know what to what to do now. <laughs> step one look at the painting step two do what <laughs> do i do um, i look at the center do i look at the corner that's <laughs> it I, I, yeah i don't know and there's some sort of story next to the painting should i read that and then know the context and then yeah, go look I, back at the painting i think for uh, you know going into museums you you could try and read the descriptions to get mm. a little bit of context but you don't really need it For some paintings, it's like it's so obvious, but then for some that that isn't as obvious, you don't even have to look at it for too long. It's actually mm. your taste I see. towards the painting, right? Like if it gives you an idea or a certain emotion, then it's like it's it's nice to you. Like we both can look at a painting, the same painting, and I could have a different opinion about it, and you can have a different opinion about it. But mm. that doesn't mean that um, that I because I know more than you than you have to like this painting as I do, mm. right? So I think if you approach it that way, then it's it's easier to because I think a lot of people that um, that don't see a lot of art, mm. I feel like they sometimes do get intimidated by the uh, you know like the the art people like the yeah the art historians. And, and stuff like that like even myself when i was in school i didn't really like um you know people that 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 based too much on um history and and all that stuff and on, on mm. other knowledges yeah i say so the goal of it is to just to find an emotion when you uh, look find at something a painting, that, right? that you think in, is uh, enjoyable You know, mm. if you don't like looking at a painting, then why look at it? Mm. Then you just don't like it. But then if you yeah. like a painting, you don't even need to understand why you like it. You just know mm. that you like it, right? Like, see, say if you uh, 
you come into a museum right now, there's like seven different paintings, then you know which one you like the best and you don't even know why you like it the best, but you just like it. Maybe uh, certain colors that it's like mm. you're more attracted to, maybe certain uh, composition, subject yeah. matter, you know. Mm. Wow. Yeah, very insightful. Now, uh, last time I went to the museum, I saw people looking at a painting for so long. And I I don't know how, what are they looking at? <laughs> should I be looking at them as well? Because what's the average duration should I spend per painting? They say, <laughs> um, they say that um, on average, you only get seven seconds on each painting. So mm. like if you are an artist, know that the audience only look at your paintings for seven seconds. So taking a step back, I'm just looking at your journey on YouTube, looking at your journey as an actor, and then you know your passion in painting, right? And then of course, you had a, an art degree as well in the US. What does your father think about this? And what does your mother think about this? Are they, I don't know, obviously, you know, from a very traditional Asian perspective, have they always been supportive of your acting career, your YouTube life? Um, are, are they starting to to support you more in your art? Uh, what's your What's their desire? Um, at the beginning, they weren't very supportive of. Uh, they were okay with the YouTube, but yeah. they weren't really supportive of the the filming thing, really? especially my dad. Like he wasn't really supportive until recently, mm -hmm. so he 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 always told me about like how um, being an actor is not uh, what's his word uh, prestigious, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like it's not prestige to be like an an actor in uh, in Vietnam and you know he he wasn't really supportive but when yeah. when the film comes out. I think he was pretty happy, you know, asking people oh, to take okay. photos of the poster and all that stuff. But um, but at this moment, he still thinks that, you know, I should go back to painting. And okay. he always told me that um, I'm going to go back to painting eventually. <laughs> oh, and I, I do I do understand that you really can't do two things at once. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, I, I try to do that, you know, I work on a film and I take a break and then I paint and do YouTube on mm. when I have that all that time. But I guess like, you know, to reach the top, you can only choose, I think one or two, two would be like yeah. too many already. So, yeah. So I mm. still don't know uh, till this moment. I don't know. <laughs> still on a journey of finding out. Right. Yeah. I, I feel um, the filming industry, acting industry uh, gets a lot of hate from people. People think it's a bad thing or not appropriate or not prestige, like you said. Right. So maybe they do. Yeah. A lot of people do look down on uh, on showbiz in Vietnam, I think. Yeah. Not, not, not necessarily look down, but they they think it's, you know, it's taboo and stuff. Yeah, it must be because of that joke, director. You need to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You need to sleep with yeah. a director. So, yeah. Certain perce certain perceptions, aren't there, um, about the industry? Uh, you know, despite you know a lot of great steps that have been made over the past couple of years or so, great advancements in the sector, but there are always there are always these sort of stories about you know people causing uh, you know drama or mm. you know commotion and all that stuff to 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 get themselves into the eyes of the, the public. Mm. But okay, fascinating. And then you mentioned your upcoming movie has something to do with art. What's the link here? Did I mention that? Did I yeah. say that it has something to do with art? Yeah. I don't think I've said it. <laughs> I oh, said it yes, had to do something with, with an alien. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. The alien movie I recall, and thank God they're choosing Vietnam. But what I'm saying is, I thought you said that there's another movie that's coming up that has something to do with art. I don't think I, I don't said remember anything. That. Okay. No, he didn't say that. There you go, guys. You know, I'm, I'm a terrible podcast host. All right, let's move on. Okay, any other questions, Long, before we move on to the final topic of today? Let me think. A topic that's going to bring up the blood pressure. <laughs> a topic that's going to cause a lot of anger. And there's going to be me. so many vulgarities coming out right now. 
No more questions on art for me. All right, let's move on then. The last topic. We all know that you are a Manchester United fan. You are a football fan, and you follow the club for I don't know for how long now. But every time Man United play, you post on Instagram, and so do I, and so do many, many other heartbroken people. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the part of the podcast long where you can just log off or you can go for your toilet break. <laughs> But yes, I'm a Man United fan. You're a Man United fan. First question is, what? Okay, I just want a caveat to everyone listening here. We're not going to go deep into you know Man United tactics, football tactics, and all that stuff, uh, right. because you know we we appreciate that there's quite a large audience listening in. And not everyone, you know, is keen to know the ins and outs of football. But I guess right. the first question to you is, what does it mean to be a football fan in Vietnam? Because football, it seems like it's the national sport, isn't it? Right. It, it seems like people go crazy about football, and of course, to follow, you know, one of the most successful or the biggest leagues in the world, the Premier League, you know, what does it mean to be a football fan in Vietnam? Um, I think to be a football fan in Vietnam. It's like, it's the sport that everybody enjoy. The majority of the people enjoy, and I'm talking about even the national team. You mm. see, like whenever we win a big game, everybody goes crazy. Kids, and I think the reason for that is that we we do real we do love our country a lot, but we don't have an outlet to express it. Mm. And we have to express it through football, mm. and it's a great way to express it, right? Definitely. Um, um, and to be, uh, yeah, and th that's that's my take on it. Mm -hmm. And club football, it seems like the club football industry or sector in Vietnam is improving, but of course the Premier League is a whole different level, right? What's the percentage of fans supporting Man United in Vietnam? Do you think? I think there are a lot, but also Manchester United also gets a lot of haters. Like we we have the biggest fan base, but then we also get the biggest ha hater. Like the amount of hate we get is bigger than any other clubs. As always, like once you know, when you're the biggest club, at least in English football, there will always be haters as well. How did you become a Man United fan then? How did it all start? It actually all started by accident, kind of. <laughs> like uh, a lot of people, you know, our generation, you know, we hear about Manchester United growing up, but we just know the name. And for mm. me, I think it all started. I like playing football as a kid, you know, but I don't watch it. And then uh, I think one day, I think it was New Year, I went into uh, my dad's friend's house. And his son was playing FIFA, 2004, and now mm -hmm. it's like it's like a story from uh, a film because like, I don't remember his face, but I just remember, <laughs> I just remember like him like in on in the back like looking at him playing FIFA, and I thought I thought that was like the best game ever, and he was mm -hmm. just like, "Hey kid, you want to play this game? I'll give you uh, the CDs and just go back home and install it, and you can play it." And he nice. just gave it to me, wow. and. Uh, So I started playing FIFA 2004, and the the first team on there to be chosen happens to be Manchester United, right? And mm -hmm. I, I know I know of this team already, and so I started playing FIFA, and I I started to learn all the players' names on on the game, like Skulls, Van Nistelrooy, and Giggs, yeah. and all those people, and I remember their face on the game, and so I started watching them in real life to see if. If they actually <laughs> yeah, look the same, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And so I started. That's when I actually started watching uh, football. A lot of mm. Manchester United fans started watching um, in the Beckham area, uh, in the Beckham mm. era. But yeah. I started watching in the Rooney, Rooney Ronaldo era. Yeah. So that's when I started. I don't have a lot of memories with uh, Beckham, but then I've been a supporter since. So uh, since 2004, which is. Uh, now, I'm gonna show that I'm really bad at math. 
<laughs> many many years many years <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna help you with that that's 16 years <laughs> yeah yeah no no that's great so being a man united fan and one thing that i'm always puzzled about because you know long and i we live in london right so the timing is perfect for us mm. but sometimes you guys wake up at like 3 a.m in the morning just right. to catch a game and that's for that's uh, usually usually it's for uh champions league uh, yeah. for Premier League then it, like yesterday was 6.30 p.m. so it's not that bad but I actually yeah, don't like six, I don't like 6 p.m. Uh, games really? I prefer, Why is that so? I, I prefer uh, 9, 9 o'clock 10 o'clock games mm. mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and how do people you know they've got wives they've got kids they've got jobs <laughs> but you know they're spending and of course Champions League it's mostly Tuesday and Wednesday isn't it Right. They're, they're staying up at 3 a.m. in the morning to catch a game to be disappointed by this club. <laughs> like, wh- why do they do it, do you think? Um, I don't know. For I can't speak for everybody, but for me, I, I stay up late anyways. So I oh, usually okay, can, can catch these games. <laughs> for other people, I think I've known a couple of my friends that would go to bed early like super early after dinner and then wakes up to see the game and then go to work that's dedication wow. and then for for some people if they uh, you know decide to gamble and stuff then All it's right. like their their job <laughs> to wake up at right. those times but for i think for hardcore fans of course you're gonna wake up for for a game like that and even when i was in school you know i started watching when i was still in school and so certain games are late, and my mom didn't allow me to, to uh, you know, to watch it. So it was kind of hard at the beginning, and then yeah. sometimes I would just set alarms to. I used to do that too. You to set alarm and uh, stay up to watch games like that. <laughs> I think it's just being being a, a true fan. Yeah. My uh, my mom used to do that. <laughs> my, my, my mom loved football you know and she used to have uh, alarms at 2 a.m 3 a.m and i was like hey i want to sleep and the, the tv is in the bedroom <laughs> right? like what are you doing mom i want to sleep tomorrow i have school no 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 that's fine and so i never got into football because i hear that chant like oh, yeah. hey, oh. and then i fell asleep because that that's that's my bedtime <laughs> it actually it actually does help to to sleep sometimes because sometimes mm. like if you're sleepy and you're watching a football game that is not really entertaining, you can yeah. fall asleep. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I've, yeah. I've fallen asleep on games before too. Not on Man United mm. games, but on uh, on Other different games. teams. Yeah. 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 Interesting. And next question is. Oh, I'm having a blank here. Give me a second. Wait, I mean, I want to ask a question. Okay, you go right. ahead, and then I'll try to remember what my question was. <laughs> my question is, why do you? keep supporting the team <laughs> even <laughs> if even if they lose right even when they lose and it could be just one game but it could be a a, a rows of games that they lose you know, why can, why do you can i add to this question i love this question because there's yeah. a meme out there right there's a saying out there you, you can change your religion you can change your wife but no one changes their football club and i think that's right. actually quite true because i see people changing their religion when they get married i see mm, people right. getting divorced but in terms of football clubs, I've never seen someone from an Arsenal fan to becoming a Man United fan, a Chelsea right. fan to becoming a Bayern Munich fan. Why? I have no idea. But then that it comes to my mind that, you know, I have friends that I don't trust just because the way they support football. You know, they, they, there, you there are people. Okay, there, there are people that would support a player. Mm. Oh, I have right, friends. Okay. I have friends that that will support a player. Doesn't matter whatever clubs he goes, they will support that player and that club, which is right. fine. Which is fine. Mm. But I have people who doesn't have a favorite club, but they always come in and like say, like fucking trash talk you when your team loses. <laughs> but you don't know who their favorite team is. Yeah, those are the people I don't trust. 
right, right. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Because like I posted on Facebook once about Man United. I'm just really mad about the whole structure and the business behind Man United, and you know just the management of the club. Uh, because to me, when I see football nowadays, it moves away from the tactics. It, it moves away from just the eleven people playing with an eleven men, uh, you know, with one ball. It's the, right. the, how the club is run. It's the structure, the finances, the cost, the revenue. You know, because business and football are so interlinked now. So I made a post on Facebook about that, and there was this guy who came in and he just trash talked me. Right, I was just right. like, oh, you know, pity you, you know, Man United fan. I asked him, like, who do you support? He said, no, I just hate Man United fans in general. And then I found out he's an Arsenal fan. And Arsenal is <laughs> in such deep shit right now. So, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm completely fine. I, I, I want to laugh, but I feel bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's, just, there's this rivalry long. I, I can't explain it. But there's this, there's this passion and emotion when you support a club that it hurts your ego when the club loses because other right. people are going in on you. They're gonna mm. go in on you and they're gonna destroy you online, all right? Or right. face to face, whatever. But when you win in Vietnam, you call it uh, you guy, right? I don't know what right. the English word is. You, like you, right. you, you make chicken sounds. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But essentially, what what you're trying to do is you're trying to boast to the world that look, my club is the best in the world, and right. it just it's a cycle, because mm. if you if you keep on boasting, then you don't get that satisfaction enough. You sometimes mm. you need to lose, and then once you win again, then there's that satisfaction again, and that's football. Yeah, it's very annoying. Yeah, yeah. because I, I I loved football once. Okay, and it was very weird. Uh, let me share my story. Okay, <laughs> who knows this story? I loved football once when I was small. I remember 2002, and the the football team I loved was Brazil. I don't know why. Maybe the colors were very bright. Okay. <laughs> 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 but the the way they played it was beautiful Ronaldinho time it's it's yeah. just mesmerizing so I I was in love with them but when they they lost I was devastated <laughs> I cried I and then I said okay let's let's watch the next game and then they lost again and then I said why do I keep watching this to be to be heartbroken like this so <laughs> I <laughs> so I decided to stop watching altogether I I won't support anyone because I'm afraid of this sort of sadness <laughs> yeah yeah and and I have my people in Vietnam like you you know you guys wake up really early in the morning to catch a game and the probability of Man United doing well these days is not high even with Ronaldo coming in you know it's it's not a high probability and um no yeah, there's a lot of admiration from our yeah. end. Lots of commitment. Yeah, but to me, I think it says something about uh, character as well, the way you support, right? It's like if you support a team when it's like at its worst, then you have all the rights to say all the things you want when it's winning. Yeah, mm. yeah. And that's mm. exactly the point that you were saying before. I just hate yeah. people that... that um, are unsure about what team or the bandwagons mm. Band it's wagons. like you know it's like uh one minute you know barcelona was like the hottest team in the world and then they say that oh you know i don't support any team but then when they play fifa against you they, they pick barcelona yeah and then you enjoy beating them with manchester united right <laughs> yeah but then a couple years later it's like they they started playing Man city yeah. And then they still uh, they still won't admit that it's their favorite team, you know? Yeah. They just wait for that team to not be the strongest so they can be on a different team. So Got you. So you like someone me. yeah, you like someone who has a stance, a clear stance, a clear view of who you support, stick with them, whether it's low or high, right? Mm. Right. I've yeah. I've had I have people that I know, you know, like secretly doesn't like Ronaldo. And not not even secretly because he kind of shows it you know he likes Messi, and it's like different tastes i'm not gonna talk about like who's better ronaldo yeah, or messi not, i'm not gonna go there. i'm <laughs> not even gonna go there yeah, right yeah. ronaldinho is the best but this guy you know when when messi won the the six bound door yeah he was like he was like oh you know messi was so great like Ronaldo is never going to catch up. And then the same guy right now is posting about Ronaldo. 
saying he's the best. He's like the Manchester United savior, and you know, I've I've seen people like that. And I don't I don't like yeah. it. It's it's just my. I mean, it's just football. But I think it it does say a little bit about personality. Yeah, personality and character, isn't it? So it's a small thing, but it's something that I notice. You know, so I don't like that. Personally, I don't like it. Interesting. Okay. And how does a club, like all these English clubs, right? They started off as local clubs in their own little city, right? Back then, Manchester, working class. People, you know, in the weekend, they probably pay cash to come into the stadium and just to support their club. Now it's grown up to be this, you know, it's developed into this giant conglomerate of a business, a brand, a global phenomenon, right? How do these clubs connect with people all the way in the Far East, like countries like Vietnam? Like, you've never met the players. You've, some people, most fans in Vietnam have never watched them live. You know, right. you pr- even you myself. Dis- yeah, don't speak the same language, right? There's so much disconnect in terms of just characters, features, all of these things. But what intrigues me is how the Vietnamese people, like, they're just crazy about football clubs like Chelsea, like Arsenal, like Man United. How? How do they do it? Um, I think I, I really don't know why or how, but I think one of the factor also has to be with color. Mm. <laughs> Wait, what, yes. are, are you putting a racist <laughs> joke? <or? laughs> no, 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 no. Team no, color, yellow, the, yellow, yellow. The color red and yellow <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> of <laughs> Manchester United. Right, right, got you. Right? Yeah, it, yeah. It, I think the majority of people, when you look at a team's logo, mm. it already, if you know nothing about football, and then it, if you're like a kid, right, and you see the logo, it's already some sort of attraction right. on you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. like the impressions, right? Interesting. I yeah. mean, if you think about it, uh, that's the only way I, I can think of when it comes to why there are so many Manchester United fans in Vietnam than any other clubs. I'm not mm. talking about the uh, the football, you know, obviously they have to be good. Obviously mm. they have to be famous, but with traditions. Um, I think the reason is the also the color and the traditions. Because right. mm-hmm. they, they've been really famous in the past and we like traditions, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We isn't like to, uh, yeah sorry yeah like, sorry sorry. I was gonna say isn't Arsenal also red? <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's red and red. white. Uh, I see. Man United is okay. red and Purely yellow. Red. And our flag is red and yellow. Yeah. Ah, uh, that's a very okay. interesting observation. I've never thought of it that way. But right, oh. it's just my thought. I don't know yeah. if it's yeah. accurate, but I yeah. think it's like subconsciously yeah. we we like that. Yeah, mm. and the way I see certain sort of football pages on Facebook, when they talk about certain players, right, and they translate it into Vietnamese, and then when people jump into the, the debate, uh, I see that people genuinely feel like they know these players, like you know, social right. said this, but then you know, post goes in Rio Ferdinand on BT Spot, they said this, and their comments are like right. this, and it, it, yeah, it just fascinates me because. As someone who consumes football in the English language, and I live in the UK, I can feel that connection, right? And I've been to Old Trafford a couple of times as well. Right. So I, I've, I've been seen there. your pictures. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I, I took photo with Pogba and all that <laughs> stuff. So I'm, I'm very lucky. But, but yeah, I, I have that sort of connection. How, with how the did club. you? How did you manage to do that? I, I really <laughs> want to know. <laughs> okay, scrap. So how did you scrap get that the picture? question? <laughs> this is my podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's actually really easy, mate. Like, if you come over to the UK, you can get one yourself. So what happens is, after a game, there's a tunnel for the players to walk out and leave, and they they go to the car park, and they go and get into their cars, right? And then they leave. If it's a Premier League game, it's like 12 or 3 p.m. in the UK time, and that's when there's a lot of fans. So normally, you wouldn't get players lingering back and then taking photos and, you know, signing stuff, mm. right? But if it's like a Champions League game, it ends at eight p. Uh, sorry, it starts at eight p.m. and it ends at ten p.m. 
then the players will probably stay inside and you know get uh, you know a good scolding from the manager you play shit you're crap you know stuff like <laughs> that for like around you know an hour to an hour and a half and then they go and they shower and probably Lingard and Pogba dances in the dressing room for a bit <laughs> after they dance then it's around 12.30 right around right. 12.30 you can imagine not many people and that's during the weekday right normally it's Tuesday or Wednesday 12.30 a.m. You don't get a lot of people staying back. You probably get around a hundred fans or so, mm. right, staying back, and that's when the players are more receptive and they're more open to go through each one of the fans and sign and take photos. And to be honest, I think when you're a celebrity in Vietnam, I get a feeling that you know you tend to be a bit what's the word chang, right, arrogant, a bit mm. you know self-centered, like oh I need to keep my distance from the mass, you know I want to make sure that I look good. But footballers, I don't sense that. Footballers in the UK, because I think the culture is very different. The culture in the UK, when you're looking at like public figures or celebrities, you don't idolize them like K-pop or in Vietnam. You right. don't worship them. Mm-hmm. You you recognize them for their talent and for their skill. But you know you can. But they they have they have uh, respects and boundaries, right? Exactly w- within mm-hmm. the people. Exactly, exactly. And uh, yeah, it's, it's not like, you know, you're worshipping a god. For example, K-pop is the extreme men. Like, yeah. those people are gods, right? Mm, right. Um, but footballers, I don't think they're that. Unless maybe Ronaldo. Let's see. I'm going to Old Trafford next week. <laughs> oh, uh, nice. Yeah, I, I'm watching Villarreal at um, the Champions League. So I'm hoping to see Ronaldo, but see if he actually stays back and take photos or... or Dude, if you, if you do, please show... Show him my painting. (laughs) 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 Valuation is going to go way up. (laughs) No, but I'm super super excited. Yeah. You got to do it for me. You got to do it for me. I did did three episodes today. You got to do that one. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, hey, Ronaldo, look at this. (laughs) Look at this painting. Look at this painting. Oh, no, but it's uh, hilarious. No, but you get certain players, for example, if they have a bad game or something, right? They're just going to walk off. They're just gonna say hi in the distance, and they don't come to you, and they're, ju- they're just just gonna walk off. But players like Matter, for example, he's known to be a very nice person, so mm. he'll go I think every single day, and come and take photos and autographs. And Pogba on that day, he was super nice as well, so got photos with Pogba. Uh, yeah. So anyway, not my podcast. Going back to you. <laughs> 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 but yeah, no, th- it's it's very interesting. So. Um, any concluding questions or comments, Long, in terms of Man United and football in general? No, um, not really. Uh, I've I've never really been I've never been to the Old Trafford, and that's one of my goal is also to I've never been to the UK. Yeah, actually, my dad he's not a Manchester United fan, but he's been there. He's been uh, oh. at the Old Trafford. Watching Ronaldo uh, in the Ronaldo Tevez Rooney era. Oh my God! What an mm. era! Yeah. What an era! Yeah, and uh, he was basically taking photos for me, <laughs> knowing that <laughs> I like Man United. But that's great. Uh, I've never been, and uh, that's definitely uh, I, it's one of the has has to. Um, yeah, one of your bucket list items, isn't it? Bucket list, yes. Yeah. Well, you got to sell more paintings then <laughs> to yeah. fund the trip to the UK and then to go to Manchester United and Old Trafford. Sounds great. Shall we end off with the two questions then, Long? Yes, let's end up with the two signature questions on our golden guest. Okay. So the first question is, okay, if you could go back in time and tell your younger self one sentence, one sentence, <laughs> when would you go back and what would you tell yourself? Um, I would go back to the very beginning mm. uh, when I started to film and tell myself mm-hmm. to uh, trust my instincts, my gut, and don't stop YouTube. <laughs> mm. Wow. Two things. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What do you and mean by be- trusting your instincts then? Uh, basically to be more confident, like trusting mm. yourself and uh, trust yourself to to act that way uh, on a film set, you know, like to, to act like you think rather than um, waiting for signals and cues or yeah. uh, waiting yeah. for, uh, you know, like I would act and uh, wait for validations, whether mm-hmm. I should be 
confident and do what I believe is true and then if they don't like it they can change it but I mm. I should have known that you know back then right okay mm-hmm. and our second question is who would you recommend to be a guest on our Convo Comrades show uh I could recommend uh don't recommend a Liverpool fan that's all <laughs> <laughs> I would recommend uh actually no one comes to my mind at this point. I could recommend uh Hamchen. Mm. Oh, the director okay. of Bitcoin. Wow, that'll be that'll be very uh, interesting, yeah. Or uh, JV, which I don't know if he's going to be available because I don't I haven't really talked to him mm. uh lately. I think mm-hmm. the last time I talked to him was like uh, a couple weeks ago. It's just about mm. this game that I played that he recommended <laughs> one time. Right. <laughs> yeah, okay. two two yeah. people that comes to my mind: uh, Angham Hamchen, director, and uh, JV. Perfect. Great. Thank you. That's amazing. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, the podcast in any way. We certainly did. It was very entertaining. You know, you spending three hours of your day to talk to us about everything in the world. Really appreciate it. Do you have any concluding remarks? Anything to our listeners at all? Um, uh, I think I've said everything, and yeah. I really enjoyed the time. But you know, I think I've said everything already. Yeah, so. it was like three hours, <laughs> wasn't it? So guys, like, you know, go back and listen to all of it if you haven't. But it was really, really fun talking to you, man. And of course, like it's been such a long time. We, we of course, like we added each other ages ago. We've spoken to each other in real life, but you know, when I left for the UK, we haven't really had that chance to speak and connect. But I think this is a great opportunity to to sort of reconnect and have these conversations once again and to catch great. up on life. Perfect. Very nice. Tang, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Uh, yes. Long, do we need to end it off in a formal way? No, guys, let's just follow us on all social media, all platforms, yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, be on a lookout. You know, the next the next podcast episode will be topical too, which means it's Long and I talking about random topics. There you mm-hmm. go. As for now, bye bye.